My name's Johnny Gibson, and you're listening to Reclamation Worship. My name is Jason Allen, and I serve as your host here on Reclamation Worship, the podcast devoted to reclaiming a biblical view of worship for the church. Well, thank you for joining me for this episode of Reclamation Worship. Today's guest, as you've just heard, is Dr. Jonathan Gibson. Dr. Gibson serves as Old Testament and Hebrew professor at Westminster Theological Seminary in Glenside, Pennsylvania. I had him on today not to talk about uh, the Old Testament or Hebrew per se, but we are discussing a very important project that he has released. It's a book called The Moon is Always Round, and it was uh, inspired by a tragedy that he and his wife Jackie and their little boy Ben have lived through. You're going to hear all about that here on this episode and I want to encourage you, there, there will be a number of resources mentioned uh, in this podcast. And so I want to encourage you to visit reclamationworship.com, click on podcast, and then down in this particular episode's show notes, you will find links to all of the resources, including the book, The Moon is Always Round. And I want to encourage you to purchase that book and to read it with your children. But let me just go ahead and say, this book is not just a children's book. This is a book that is rich in biblical, theological truth, and it is a much-needed reminder to us adults as well that God is always good. All right, well, let's head on over to the interview. Dr. Jonathan Gibson, it is a pleasure to have you on Reclamation Worship. Welcome. Thanks, Jason. It's good to be on the program with you. Great. So, hey, could you start by telling us uh, a little bit about yourself, uh, who you are, where you're from, and what you're doing? Uh, yeah, uh, my name's uh, Johnny. I uh, currently live in uh, Glenside, Pennsylvania, where I teach uh, Old Testament as a professor at uh, Westminster Theological Seminary here in, in near Philadelphia. Uh, you can hear from the accent, I'm not from around here. <laughs> uh, I like to tell people I'm from Texas, but nobody believes me. <laughs> <laughs> South so, Texas, right? I'm, yeah, that's right. That's right. A little town called Belfast in Texas. No. <laughs> uh, I am from Belfast, Northern Ireland originally. Um, I've lived away from there since 2005. Uh, but my wife, Jackie, and I came from Cambridge, England, where I was a minister in a Presbyterian church there. Okay. Uh, and I just finished a PhD there years before that. So we... Um, we, my wife's Australian, I'm Northern Irish, and uh, we both count Cambridge as home because that's where our two children were born before we came here to America. Do you mind sharing with us how the Lord saved you? Sure. I was brought up as a missionary kid in Tanzania, East wow. Africa, and uh, my parents obviously were Christians. So brought up in a Christian home, heard the gospel from a young age. I remember distinctly in Tanzania, a moment when I asked my mom on one occasion, what is a Christian? And she explained what a Christian was. And there that, um, you know, when you're born into this world, you're born as a, a, a child of the devil, you follow his ways, you, you live according to the kingdom of darkness. But when you become a Christian, you become a child of God and put away those ways. And I just remember 
feeling at the time like I'm not actually a Christian. I'm very much on the other side. Mm. Uh, when we came back from Africa, I was seven years old and went to a good gospel church where a dear old lady called Mrs. Gallagher taught me the gospel. Mm. And I believe at some point through my parents, through the church, through Mrs. Gallagher, I came to a very clear faith in the Lord Jesus as the Savior who died for me, rose again, and had uh, giving, uh, offered me new life uh, through faith and repentance in him. Mm. So I don't have a particular time. I did have a number of occasions I became a Christian, you know, once, <laughs> after, once after a thief in the night. All right. <laughs> uh, but uh, I am... Um, you know, I, I look back on all those and think I don't, you know, I think the spirit of God was, was at work in my life, blowing like a gentle breeze, mm. not a hurricane. If when you're brought up in a Christian home, the, you know, you're born again uh, by the same spirit of those who are born again from non-Christian homes. But the spirit is like the wind that blows where it pleases. And sometimes the wind is a gentle breeze and sometimes it's a hurricane. And I think for me, it was a gentle breeze. Mm but it was still the same wind. So. Great way of putting it. Yeah. Uh, so you uh, are now an Old Testament professor. Tell us uh, how you uh, got to be where you are and what you're doing. So what, what was the attraction to uh, teaching uh, Old Testament? Uh, I ask myself that question sometimes. <laughs> One of 25 papers in Hebrew to mark. Um, the church history would have been a lot more simple. Okay, right. <laughs> uh, I uh, I I went off to uh, study theology at Moore College in Sydney, Australia, which is a long way from home. Okay. But it had, it had a really good emphasis on the languages. That's one of the attractions. So I studied Greek and Hebrew there, loved both languages, and did fairly well at them. So I and then I thought I don't really want to lose my Hebrew. I thought my Greek's decent enough that I think I can keep that up over the years. But if I don't keep going with Hebrew, I'll lose it. So mm. mostly I sort of partly went into Old Testament just out of a love for Hebrew and, or, and a desire to keep it up. Okay. Um, then from there I went to um, Cambridge, did a PhD in Hebrew studies in the Book of Malachi, and then as I was going through my PhD, I, I came to Presbyterian convictions and also convicted that I should get ordained mm. and serve in a church in an ordained capacity. So I did that, uh, ordained in the International Presbyterian Church in the UK and then worked at Cambridge Presbyterian as the associate minister okay. there for a couple of years. But I'd done a PhD with a view to one day maybe training men for ministry. And so when the opportunity at Westminster came up, I decided that I thought the Lord was opening up the, the door and it was the time to walk through it. So that's what we did. Um, but I, so yeah, I sort of happened upon heading into theological education because if I'm honest, my heart's in pastoral ministry and mm. I hope one day I'll get back into that at some, in some capacity. Mm. Um, but that's how I'm, um, that's why I'm here in America. Okay. Very happy to be here and keen to, train people for ministry but I, I'm glad I did my couple of years as a minister full-time in Cambridge because I think it's really equipped me for being a better professor mm. excellent so I, I didn't I'm sort of putting you on the spot here I didn't tell you I was going to ask you this but what is the best band in the world yeah it has to be you too <laughs> I guess are you contractually obligated to say that 
No, no, but they, <laughs> no, but they are part of my tribe. So okay, that's right. I'm just morally obligated. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, musically obligated. There you go. F- favorite out. Al- do you have a favorite album of theirs? a tree or Octum baby yeah you know there those you were my when i was in the teenage years i mean i've loved all their stuff sure uh but joshua tree you know still haven't found what i'm looking for and mm. some of those songs i yeah but it's been a while now i've listened to them sure uh, yeah. yeah i did get to see them actually in sydney in australia they came for a concert and it was my first ever live concert going to and it was you too it was wow. absolutely incredible that's a good one to have as your first yeah, it's beautiful. It was amazing. Yeah, uh, that's great. Yeah. Well, I uh, I wanted to talk with you about uh, a new book that you have out, and uh, I on my way into work this morning, I was headed to the church, and I looked up, and and there was the beautiful bright moon shining in in all its splendor. It, it looked like uh, the bottom chunk uh, of it was uh, was missing. You you're not an astronomer. You're you're a theologian, but but you recently wrote a book about uh, about God's goodness, and uh, it happens to do with uh, with the moon as an illustration. Tell us a little bit about that, how it came to be, and and uh, what what led you to write it. So the title of the book is "The Moon Is Always Round." Um, it's come about through a tragedy in our lives. Uh, Jackie and I have a son, Benjamin, who's now seven, but uh, three and a half years ago he was four years old, uh, waiting very expectantly for his little sister to come into the family. Uh, Jackie was nine months pregnant. And one Sunday night at Cambridge, in Cambridge, uh, as I went out to preach on hell, one Sunday night, little did we know our daughter prepared for heaven. And as we slept that night, she heard the voice of her savior who called her name and she went to him. Mm. And, uh, it is a mystery why she died. The medical profession cannot find out what went wrong. And uh, so that was a, we, we entered a world of tragedy and suffering and deep, deep sorrow. And in the midst of all of that, Jackie and I can both testify that we never felt closer to God, never felt more alive, never felt closer to God, never felt more convinced of the truth of the gospel. Mm. And it's hard to even put that into words, but that's just the way it was. And I was reading a book this week on suffering, and there was a chapter in it by a father who lost a stillborn child, similar story to ours. And I could nearly identify with most of what he was saying. And he speaks speaks similarly that he and his wife said they never before believed that God was so good, Hmm. even in the midst of their loss. Wow. And Jackie and I were the same. So the connection to the moon is an interesting one because six months prior to Layla, that's our daughter's name who died L E I L A pronounced like the Eric Clapton song, Layla, Mm. Uh, six months before Layla died, Ben became fascinated with the moon. And at nights in Cambridge, I would hold him up to the window and we'd point at the moon and I'd say, what shape is the moon, Ben? And he'd say, it's a crescent moon or a half moon or a three quarters moon. And then I'd say, Ben, what shape is the moon always? And uh, I taught him, you know, the moon is always round, Ben, Mm. even when you can't see all of it. So he would answer me and say, the moon is always round. And then I 
said, what does that mean? And I taught him to say, God is always good. So mm. it was a really simple three question and answer catechism. Mm. Uh, but little did I know that actually when Layla died, it would become so poignant for us. Um, as I was driving home the day she was stillborn, Ben had come to the hospital to meet her. And he, he held her. He gave her a little giraffe called Baza as a gift. And mm. then we were together as a family of four for about four hours. And then I drove him home. And I was just driving in silence, crying. And from the back seat, I heard a little voice say, Daddy, will mummy ever grow a baby that wakes up? Uh, and I said, Ben, I, I don't know. But let's pray that she does. And he said, uh, why isn't Layla coming home with us? I said, because um, Jesus called her name. Uh, she's gone to be with him. And he said, why has she gone to be with Jesus? I said, because he called her name. She went to him. He said, after she's been with Jesus for a few days, will she come back to us? I said, no. When you're with Jesus, you don't want to go anywhere else. And then he said, uh, does she not like us? I said, Ben, she does like us, but she just loves Jesus more. Hmm. And then he said, Daddy, why isn't she coming home? And I said, Ben, I don't really know why. Um, and I, I was just crying. Mm. And he, he, he wasn't emotional. He was too young, I think, to process it. But he was clearly puzzled. You know, it's nine months expectation and then meets yeah. the little baby, but she never opens her eyes or makes a sign. So he was trying to process it. And I, and I thought... I don't want my son to grow up angry with God that his sister never came to him. I, I want to teach him something about the goodness of God. So in that moment, I this catechism on the moon came to me, and I said, "Ben, you know, I don't know why she's come, why she isn't coming home." But I said, "Ben, do you remember the catechism I've taught you about on the moon?" He said, "Yeah." I said, "You know, Ben, some nights you can't really." see much of the moon and i said you know today we probably feel like we can't see any of the moon but i said ben what shape is the moon always and he said the moon is always round and i said and what does that mean and he said god is always good and so it just became this really poignant um <clears throat> image and analogy in our family and so ben to this day has a picture of the moon above his bed and five little words underneath the moon is always round you know, and at the funeral, we four weeks later we held a funeral for Layla, and uh, we uh, three weeks later, and uh, I addressed him in the funeral in my letter in my um, eulogy, mm. and uh, I said, Ben, you know, when you grow up, you maybe might have some questions for God about why all this happened, and uh, I mean, the coffin was at the front of the church. I we we walked in with him and carrying the coffin and I wanted him to have as much tangible memory of that funeral service as possible so I addressed him in the funeral in the eulogy and said Ben if you grow up and when you grow up you'll have questions I want you to remember this um, I want you to remember about the moon and I said to him Ben what shape is the moon and he said the moon is always round and I said to him what does that mean and he said God is always good I mean he was he was three and a half at the time, and it was just beautiful moments that people still remember. 
wow. where, where I addressed him in the funeral service and this little voice saying, God is always good mm-hmm. at his sister's funeral. You know? And I uh, thought of Psalm 8, verse 2, out of the mouth of babes and infants, God has ordained praise. Wow. So that's, that's a long <laughs> answer, but that's the story behind the book. So what, what I've done in the book is I sat on those, you know, I wrote those questions down that he asked me in my answers soon after. Um, uh, because that night, actually, I dropped him home, put him to bed and left him with a friend who was looking after him that night. Well, I, I went back to the hospital and Jackie and I spent a night at the hospital with Layla. Mm. before we said goodbye to her the next day and uh as i went out the house that night i thought i must look and see is there a moon tonight and sure enough it was a half moon Mm. and that sort of captured how i felt and how jackie felt that day because believe it or not it was actually quite a joyful day we got to meet our daughter we got to name her got to hold her got to see her see her features and you know touch her skin and there was something very beautiful and peaceful about actually meeting her, even though sadly she was dead. So there was a, there was goodness there that we could see. And then there was just this half of the goodness of God we couldn't see at all, you know. Mm-hmm. But that just captured for me what was going on. So I wrote it all down a few weeks after, and I thought, you know, one day I hope to do something with this, but I didn't know what it would be. Yeah. And when I came to America, I was stressed one night before an Old Testament lecture. And uh, well, I should have been preparing it. I decided, I'm going to write a book. I'm going to write a book about the moon. Yeah. And uh, I wrote it really in a night. And uh, I, I don't mean it's the version that's now published, but I, I got the gist of it down in a night and then just kept working on it. And then a friend helped me turn it from a third-person narrator to being Ben as the narrator, mm. which, was a, which was a stroke of genius, which I can't claim was mine. But <laughs> a friend who works in youth ministry is very good. And he just said, you know, what would be really good is if you actually made this from Ben's perspective, that he gets to affirm just like you did in the funeral. You know, he gets to affirm the goodness of God. It's not just a narrator telling children, you must believe God is good. It's, it's a little boy actually doing it by example. Mm. So that's that's what the book's about. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, how, so how uh, are you and your family doing these days? And and uh, uh, as you are discipling Ben and and uh, helping him on a daily basis, remember God's goodness. Um, how how are you? Is it a challenge for you? Uh, Dr. Gibson, is it a challenge for you to remember God's goodness? Um, yes, it has been. I said when Layla died, um, we never believed more in the goodness of God and never believed the gospel more, never hoped for heaven more, never longed for the resurrection of the dead more. Mm-hmm. You know? But then, you know, as your grief, grief is a very complex thing. And we went then through a period of deep, um, sorrow of uh, you're sort of riding on a high because so many people are contacting you and the funeral's coming and and uh, and then it all comes crashing down when the cards stop coming through the letterbox and there's no flowers anymore or mm. so yeah and then in those deep 
dark moments we have both cried out is god good is this does this god actually love us you know why why would he do this you know and at the same time you know within weeks of her death good friends of ours they were giving birth to their healthy nine-month child and we were just like what have we done to you god Mm. that you would do this to us you Mm. know so it became quite sort of Job-esque where we went into a self-searching, is there some sin in our lives? Mm. You know, um, is God good? Um, and there were times we prayed, Lord, we believe you are. Please help our unbelief. I believe, help my unbelief. That, that was often my prayer in those months afterwards. Uh, so it sort of came and went in cycles is the way I would describe it. Yeah. But I, I would say in God's goodness i never wanted to be anywhere else on a sunday but with the people of god Mm. it was good when they said to us let us go up to the house of the lord amen you know and that became our sort of um sort of a bam in the midst of a difficult week was sunday's coming we're going to hear the gospel and uh, what became precious for us actually was that i'd never seen certain scriptures in in their full light until Layla died and Hebrews 12, 22 to 24 became very precious to us. But you have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, uh, to an, the judge of all, to an innumerable company of angels, to the festal gathering, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. Mm. Mm. And, and to Jesus, uh, the mediator of a better, ju- better covenant. And I'd never seen the real connection to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. And I realized that actually each Lord's Day, I get to join my daughter in worship. Wow. That she is one of those spirits made righteous that's waiting for the resurrection. Mm. And, uh, but she's up there praising God, you know, continually. And every Lord's Day for that brief hour in the morning and in the evening, we get to join her. So it, church worship took on a whole new significance. Wow. Um, that the worship of heaven comes down on earth when we gather as God's people. Mm. Um, so I forgot what your question was. but uh, <laughs> No, that, yeah. you answered it. Just how y'all are doing these days. Yeah. And, yeah. And, yeah, and then we struggled with infertility before Layla. So she was an answer to prayer, and then we lost her at the 11th hour. And then we had three and a half years of infertility again. So it was a very difficult time. Mm -hmm. I remember Ben asking me one day, said, Daddy, why do you think God took Layla from us? We were out out on a Sunday afternoon walk and he was cycling. And I said, Ben, I I don't know. He said, you know, I think he took her from us to see whether we loved him more than her. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, I said, you know, Ben, Maybe, maybe that's one reason. I'm, I said, I'm sure there are others, but maybe, maybe that's one. And it, you know, he just, he was a four and a half year old, just cycles off. Yeah. <laughs> again, <laughs> I just like, ah, right, okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. Maybe that's it. And uh, yeah, so we've had good days and bad days. C.S. Lewis said, grief is like the sky. It covers everything. Mm. And it's just the new sky that you live under. And uh, we had, times where again we would meet people i mean i've met people in seminary whose daughters were born on the day layla was stillborn mm-hmm. same age mm-hmm. that she would have been you know and it's like a pierce into a, a knife yeah. into the heart you know and mm-hmm. you're like 
wow, Lord, why did they get to keep theirs? Mm. And we had our daughter taken from us, you know? Wow. wow. So there are constant challenges. Uh, Jackie said to me the other day, she texted me, she, she was in a park with a mother whose son's best friends with Ben and they've got a younger child and sadly also lost a little boy. But she just turned to Jackie. She said, Samuel's the same age as Layla. Mm. She knows our story and they were talking and we'd never thought of her sec- second son as Layla's age. But now every time I look at him, I'll think, wow, Layla would be that height. Wow. You know, wow. so, you know, the death of a child, death of anyone close to us never leaves you. But death of a child is like a, a double sucker punch, I think, because it's, it's sort of the wrong way around. Mm. You expect, we all expect our parents to a certain extent to grow old and die and we bury them. Yeah. And even though we should never accept that because death is an enemy and we should rage against it even in those situations. But that's the order in a right. fall of the world. But when it's your child who dies, it's like this is death doubly warped. Mm. Mm-hmm. and uh so we've had to work through all of those things mm-hmm. the lord has brought us into a different season just now we are um in the middle of an adoption process with a little boy so we have a little boy called zachary who's at home with us he's mm-hmm. nearly nine months wow and in eight days if there's no contestation appeal that adoption will go through and we'll be able to call that little boy a little gibson ben wow. Ben and Layla's little brother wow. um, by Christmas, Lord willing. And then miraculously, Jackie has fallen pregnant. Um, so we're 27 weeks into a pregnancy. Wow. Wow. So we're, we're in a, you could say, a good place, but we, we walk very tentatively and mm. uh, each day pray, Lord, have mercy, because mm. we know he doesn't owe us anything and his sovereignty can be very terrifying at times. Wow. So well put. I, you've served in pastoral ministry. I'm currently serving in pastoral ministry, and that seems to be the question, right, on the on the lips of our people: uh, Is God good? And so, um, I, I tell our folks, uh, the folks that the Lord has entrusted to me, that um, the time to nail that down in your heart uh, is when life is going good, because when you mm-hmm. often when you get in the storm is is when you tend to doubt God's goodness. And so uh, that, that does seem to be the question uh, that, that most folks wrestle with. So my hope um, in this book of yours is, is not just that people will see it as a children's book, but that they will uh, be equally impacted by it themselves and that, uh, that they will uh, read it and, and nail down once and for all in their hearts that God is good, uh, no matter yeah. our circumstances. Yeah, I look back in the Lord's kind providence, seeing how he had put that catechism in my mind to teach Ben, because we needed that in the midst of that. Mm. But we had drilled it down into our hearts for six months before, you know. Mm. And uh, I don't know if you've seen it, but my wife Jackie wrote an article about the same time the book, The Moon is Always Round, got released. And uh, it's called Why We Need a Children's Book About Death. Mm. It was on the Gospel Coalition, so you could Google. I'll link to that in the in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. and uh, she talks about why every parent should read this book, even mm. if they don't want to. And she even says you should read it to your children, even though you think they don't need to hear it, because sooner or la- later 
they will experience suffering or death of a loved one. Yeah. And you got to have some foundations ready for them, you know? Yeah. And uh, we also tend to, she puts it beautifully. She says, we tend to, you know, wrap up our kids' little hearts. We talk about shepherding their hearts and pastoring their hearts. But when it comes to death and suffering, we, we uh, take their hearts and lock them up in a little box and cotton wool and, Wow. We, leave, we leave them outside the house of lament. You know, mm. Ecclesiastes says it's it's better to go to a house of lament than to go to a party of feasting, wow. a house of feasting. And uh, she says, but when it comes to death and funerals, we tend to keep the children away. But actually, do we believe that it's better for them to go to the funeral with us? Mm. And, uh, and we didn't plan it that way with Ben, but in the Lord's providence, that boy's walked up an aisle with his sister's coffin in my arms. He's Mm. sat through a funeral service loud with lament. He's Mm. planted seeds on his sister's grave in Cambridge. And we are so thankful for all of those experiences for him because I think it has given him a reality of what life is about and life is fragile. So Mm. when he goes to play soccer on a Saturday, you know, sometimes I say to him, Ben, you enjoy this because life is a gift. You know, life is a gift. And uh, the death of Layla was like cracking smelling salts under our noses. Wow. Know? Wow. I, I, I'd never tasted my food so well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I really mean that. I, I said to somebody, I said, I've never tasted, I've never felt the wind on my face as clearly. Wow. Never smelt the flowers as much and I've never tasted my food as well. I never felt more alive than when my daughter died. Mm. And uh, wow. so these, these providences can come in and, you know, be a sanctifying help in our lives. But yeah, to go back, that's why the book I think is not just for those who enter into that grief, but those, uh, all of us should be prepared for something in life that, um, yeah. And we need to we need to have those truths ready that God is good even when we can't see it. Mm, so good. Well, I mean, you, you've just uh, sort of preempted my my next question, but uh, with your answer there. But could you talk just a little bit about um, discipling Ben as worship, and uh, and so how can parents see the discipleship of their kids uh, as as worship? Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, you know, worship is a, a category that needs to find there. You know, he um, Romans twelve two speaks about worship being the whole of life, and then I think there are other aspects in the Bible that speak about worship being the corporate worship of God's people gathered together. Mm. So we, we've sought to make corporate worship on the Lord's Day a priority uh, on Sunday mornings. I have a little catechism. I I don't do it as much now, but when he was a bit younger, after Layla died. I would say, uh, Ben, what day is it? And he would say, um, it's the Lord's Day. And I'd say, what do we do on the Lord's Day? And he'd say, we eat pancakes. <laughs> and I say, that's right. And I say, where, where do we go on the Lord's Day? He says, to church. And I said, what do we do at church? He says, we worship the triune God. Mm. And then I'd say, and who do we get to do it with? And he says, with Layla. Mm. And so that was one way of my trying to disciple him through this, that I wanted him to have a, I wanted him to remember his daughter, his sister, our daughter. I mm-hmm. wanted him to 
enjoy going to church even though she wasn't able to go with us. But I wanted him to feel the connection actually at church with his sister. Mm. That when he worshipped on the Lord's Day, he was joining her with the choirs of heaven and the angels and archangels. So that was Sundays. During the week, we do our family worship in the evenings um, uh, where we try and read a bit of the Bible. We're currently going through Catherine Voss's The Story Bible is very good and then doing a bit of catechism and prayer and a song and there we're just trying to show ben that you know some worship's not just about sunday <clears throat> in the morning or in the evening it's it's the whole of life yeah and it's our way of trying to say you know what, what happened in your life today ben how can we pray about that uh, what do you have coming up tomorrow how can we pray about that and we just want to you know by god's grace disciple him to be a <clears throat> be a little believer whose faith is real and uh, whose walk with the Lord is is something that is real and dear to him and not just <clears throat> something that's tagged on as an added extra. Um, but look, we, we feel terribly sometimes. We miss doing family worships because of busyness or this and that. But that's that's where we've tried to do it. Mm. Also then, you know, read bedtime stories with them and we'll read a couple of books and one of them will be a Christian book and that's when we get to talk about real issues and things like that. Fantastic. Uh any any additional books that uh that you have in the in the works uh for for children? Any any other thoughts on uh future editions? Um if this adoption goes through with Zachary, I, I'd love to do one for him mm. on adoption and mm. teach him that even though adoption is messy and he could maybe grow up thinking his mother, his birth mother didn't love him, his birth father didn't love him, uh, but to teach him that he has never not been loved, that in the gospel and in the covenant community uh, with the sign of baptism placed on him, what we're saying to him is Zachary, actually you've never not been loved. Wow. You know, Psalm 87, they will say of those, these ones were born in Zion. Mm. Mm. And um, so I'd love to do something along the lines of about, you know, adoption and baptism in a little kid's book where I teach Zach that God has loved him from all eternity. Wow. But you know, they say you should never talk about books until you write them. So <laughs> that, that one will never get written, but I, but it, I bet it would have been very good. <laughs> it would have been a great book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there's the, that, that sounds beautiful. Yeah. 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 It's new growth press have been good to work with and they're, they're, they've asked me to consider doing a little kids series on God, on a mm. God, which I would love to. I, I think I covered two doctrines actually in that book. The moon is always round obviously God's goodness, but actually his immutability. Mm. It's in the adverb always. The moon is always round. In other words, it never changes and God's goodness never changes. So it's really the unchanging goodness of God is what that book's about. And I would love to do maybe one or two others on just other aspects of God's character and attributes. Mm. But it's all about getting time. And my wife said to me, just do the one and leave it at that. <laughs> You're not a children's author. No. Oh man, no! I, I I look forward to more coming coming uh, coming from you. And uh, so, thank you so much for doing this. And um, 
I, I will never uh, look at the night sky the same again or the morning sky uh, in this uh, in this morning's case. Um, I guess uh, the heavens do indeed declare the glory of God. Yeah. And, uh, and so that is a reminder of, uh, of his goodness. So thank yeah. you for that. Uh, so any uh, any other thoughts as we wrap up? Uh, anything you would like to share with uh, with the audience? I think the only thing I would say is what we have learned as parents with Ben is not to underestimate just actually how deeply he does think about things. I mean, mm. you've heard on this podcast the questions he asked me in the car on the way home. I mean, he was three and a half years old. Wow. And he's, he's joining the dots. Mm. Yeah. I think often we treat kids too often like little kids and not actually respect the fact that they do think deeply. Mm. And when they ask those questions, to give them the time to answer them. Uh, I think that's what I've learned. And, you know, if you're busy, you're tired, you've got something to do in the night, in the evening, and your child's asking you for extra stories and they've got questions, you know, we just like, oh, can we just get it over and done? Like, <laughs> I can go and get all of my work. But actually, that's the moment to really be present and um, mm. try and engage with them. So I. Uh, that's what I've learned. I don't do it well because often I, I'm busy and I can't give Ben the time. But I'm learning that when he brings something up and says something like, let me run with it here, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sort of what happened providentially with this conversation. Yeah. I hope and pray good good things come from it. Um, I hope the book, you know, we have a lovely Christian sister on the street where we live. and her mother died a couple of years ago and she's, you know, continued to mourn for her. But she said to my wife recently, she said, you know, Johnny's book, the moon is always round has been the first time I felt at peace about my mother's death. Wow. Wow. And I just thought how lovely that here's a book that's come about by a little girl called Layla in Cambridge, England. And here she is ministering through this book to this, a neighbor of ours in Pennsylvania. Wow. Wow. And at the funeral, Layla, our, our minister spoke about Layla's testimony. And I remember being a slightly perplexed thinking, what do you mean? She doesn't have one because she was in the womb and died in the womb. But, but he gave her real significance and said hers was a glorious testimony. Wow. She pointed us all to another world. She pointed us all to God. And then he had this throwaway line that wasn't in his notes. He said, Layla, the evangelist. Mm. And uh, everyone who's at that funeral, if they ever write to us on the anniversary, they always say Layla, the evangelist, never mm. forget Layla, the evangelist. Wow. And this book, the moon is always round is for me, it's her ministry continuing. She being dead yet speaks. Wow. And, uh, she has a little ministry, her grave in Cambridge. Um, her grave is on the end of a row in a, in a lovely quaint churchyard, a, a church cemetery. Yeah. And what's amazing is everyone has to walk past her to get to the thing. And I just think God wants her to be a little evangelist because yeah. on her headstone, it says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. And uh, I think it's just one wonderful that my daughter even though she's dead yet she speaks into people's lives you know my younger brother's not a christian and he'll, uh, <clears throat> he'll sometimes text me a photo of the moon and he'll say um 
always remembering Layla, mm. you know. So she she has impacted more people than I think I'll ever impact in my life, you know. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Praise God for your family. Praise God for your willingness to be open about this and uh, and to share because. Like you said, there's there's no doubt that um, that others are being impacted by this. So thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you, Jason, for the opportunity to be on the podcast and talk about it. We, as I said earlier, we love to talk about our daughter. You know, don't don't all parents love to talk about their children? But the thing with stillborn children is nobody talks about them. Mm-hmm. Nobody ever met them. <laughs> And uh, they're gone, you know. And uh, uh, actually, we just do love talking about Layla. So mm-hmm. thank you for your kind invitation. And uh, I pray it's a blessing to those who've listened and mm-hmm. the book will be a blessing. I, I said in the video promotion for the book, um, this book came about because of my daughter, Layla, but it's not about Layla. It's about God. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what we pray and hope in our better moments that the fame and the praise will go to God and not to me or not to Layla, but to God mm. or being a God who is good and he is always good. Amen. And that's just so lovely and uh, comforting. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much. And, um, I, uh, hope to have you on again real soon. Uh, to talk about another book that you've written and uh, Reformation worship. And and hopefully uh, the audience will be able to hear about that completely different work in many respects. Um, But uh, I'd love to talk with you about that at a later date. Yeah, I'd be very happy to hopefully no tears for that one. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, thanks so much. And uh, God bless. Yeah. Okay. God bless Jason. Thank you. Well, again, that was Dr. Jonathan Gibson, and I want to thank him for taking the time to come on Reclamation Worship. What a privilege it was to speak with him, and I am so thankful that he has taken the time to write this book, and it is such a needed book for our children, but again, not just for our children. It is a needed reminder for us as well. So please, again, visit reclamationworship.com and check out those resources, again, by clicking on podcast and this particular episode, and then you'll see the resources listed in the show notes. We are on Twitter at Reclamation HQ. You can find us on Instagram at Reclamation Worship, and we're on Facebook at Reclamation Worship. Until next time, Soli Deo Gloria.